I'm a little ashamed to admit in front of this church that I am not a very avid reader. But it is true, very few books seem to keep my attention for long or keep my attention uh, enough to keep me coming back to it each day. I'm also not much of an academically minded person, so if the book reads at all like an educational textbook, there's a good chance I won't get very far into it or remember much of it. But there's one genre of book that always jumps out at me, and those are stories of survival. Most of the time, they involve military personnel overcoming insurmountable odds of battle and captivity and surviving to return home. After each book, I'm completely amazed at what the human body and mind are capable of enduring. It's easy to think the author is exaggerating the details, because this just shouldn't be possible. The people in these books show a dramatic determination and a strong sense of hope that they will make it through to the end. I think their stories are so dramatic, maybe because our God has an eye for the dramatic. Our text tonight is about one of our heroes of the faith, Abraham and his wife Sarah. God uses extreme and dramatic circumstances in Abraham's life to prove to us that our faith and hope should rest in him alone. Remember Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac and God intervening at the last moment? That's pretty dramatic. Tonight we are reminded that nothing is too hard for God. And we cannot change God's plans because he is the author of life. I hope you're encouraged to begin or continue placing your hope and faith in him. The passage we will be looking at tonight is Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. If you haven't already, please open your Bibles. This can be found on page 12 of your pew Bible. And while you're turning there, I'll give you a brief background. Abraham and Sarah had been living in Canaan for about 10 years. The Lord has already made a covenant with Abraham that he would be the father of a multitude of nations through his offspring. But by this point in the story, Abraham is about 100 years old and Sarah is about 90. They're well beyond the years of being able to have children. Beyond that, Sarah has been unable to have children her whole life. In chapter 16, Sarah and Abraham show a lack of faith by sinfully using one of Sarah's servants, Hagar, to have a child by Abraham. With that incident behind them, the Lord has returned to Abraham to graciously confirm his covenant with him. In this scene, he returns with two other men who are later on identified as angels. Let's read our passage and begin in verse 9 of chapter 18. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Have you ever responded like Sarah? Have any of God's promises laid out in the Bible ever made you laugh in disbelief? First of all, don't feel too bad. The writer of Hebrews uses Sarah and Abraham as heroes of the faith in the fourth chapter. While they may have had extraordinary faith, they were also sinful people just like us. In the New Testament, we see another example of God's promises seeming unbelievable. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 26, Matthew tells the story of a rich young man who must give up all his possessions if he wants to follow Jesus. 
After Jesus tells them how impossible that would seem, his disciples respond by saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jesus, the everlasting king and fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, was still having to remind those closest to him that nothing is too hard or wonderful for God. First off, let's use scripture to prove that nothing is too hard for God, and then look at some ways that it applies to us. Read our passage with me again, but just verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. What struck me the most was the word appointed. We can take at least two observations from that. First, God's timing or providence is perfect. God makes it clear to Abraham that he will return at a, repoint, uh, at a appointed time when Isaac is to be born. As mentioned earlier, Abraham and Sarah had shown a lapse in faith and patience when they tried to conceive a son through Hagar. This time, God is making his covenant even more clear. He's showing them that he has a deadline in place that they must be, uh, and they must be patient while they wait. The Apostle Peter explains this in 2 Peter verses, chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. He says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's timing and providence are perfect, so we can have faith and trust him. The other observation is that God is sovereign, and he has supreme authority. There was a time for the birth of Isaac in place. God not only knew this, but he was the one who appointed it. The Apostle John makes his sovereignty clear in the first three verses of his gospel. He writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. God is sovereign. He is the author of life and has supreme authority over everything, so we can trust him and have hope in him. Can we place our trust and hope in God that nothing is too hard for him? What do you think the most impossible thing to do is? How about creating something from nothing or raising somebody from the dead? God has done that so we can trust him. Now, believing this is one thing. Having the patience to walk by faith and believing this truth in our toughest of circumstances is another Let's consider how this might look in our daily lives. And we can start by examining a point we've already confirmed, that God's timing is perfectly appointed. We were reminded from 2 Peter chapter 3 that God's timing and our timing are very different. Matthew Henry writes about this in his commentary, that all things past, present, and future are ever before him. And a holy awe and reverential fear of God are necessary in order to our worshiping and glorifying him. And a belief that the inconceivable distance between him and us is very proper to beget and maintain that religious fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. This inconceivable distance between us and God is showcased in those dramatic stories that I like to read and in the story of Abraham and his offspring. What is completely dramatic and impossible to us, well, it's just normal to God. The last thing I'll say about God's timing is that it can offer both comfort and fear. 
We can find comfort in God's perfect timing because we trust that his promises will come true. There's a day appointed for everyone to die. There's a day appointed that Jesus will return and take his children home. For Christians, this should offer comfort that our eternal life with God is securely planned out already. We also find reverential fear in God's timing. Every hour we have on earth is another hour to know God more. Peter goes on to tell us that God will come as a thief in the night. We will be completely caught off guard. But if we walk fearfully before God, we can confidently and cheerfully be caught off guard, knowing that Jesus has redeemed us from our sin. Now to consider some practical application to trusting and hoping that nothing is too hard for God. We all know life can be very hard at times, even for those of us who are walking by faith in Christ Jesus. God allows these trials and hardships to enter our lives, just as Sarah endured barrenness for her life, the majority of her life, and he does it for a reason. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says that the trials are meant to refine us, and they are only for a while. They are not eternal. Thankfully, God doesn't mean for us to weather the trials alone. He promises help. Therefore, we should pray for God to sustain us during them. One way to pray is to pray for the fruits of the Spirit. If you are walking in the Spirit, God will produce these in your lives. Singles, young and old, who are longing for marriage, know that your time and energy can be spent in the service of the Lord in a way that married couples with children cannot. Walk in faith and pray that God will give you patience as you wait for a spouse and self-control to fight sexual temptation. As the presidential elections get nearer, we may find ourselves quick to anger when our values and opinions are attacked. Sometimes it's little things that we value dearly, and other times we see politicians glorifying sin. Pray for love and empathy towards people with different opinions than ours, and pray for God to save those who persecute the church. My favorite promise is peace. The fruit of the Spirit is promised in a powerful way in the fourth chapter of Philippians. Paul tells us, if we are walking with God, we should not be anxious about anything, and that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind. Finally, he boldly tells us that the God of peace will be with you. No matter how incredibly impossible our circumstances seem, God has promised peace beyond our comprehension to bear it, and that God himself will bear it with us. Praise God that he helps us weather the storms in our lives. But is it too hard for God to change our circumstances or to take away our pain? We can pray for God to do so, but we must pray rightly. Our Lord Jesus asked God to take away his struggle, and notice how he did it in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Jesus saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. We must recognize God as the supreme author of our lives, even when unbearable trials lie before us. There are brothers and sisters among this congregation who have found themselves in impossibly difficult circumstances. There are members whose children are dealing with physical and medical sufferings that are difficult and scary. Members' jobs are overwhelming. Some feel as though the battle with sexual temptation is unwinnable. Others whose marriages are so torn apart they can't see how it could get better. There is overwhelming anxiety, pain, and loneliness. And this is just a small sampling of God's children around the world. 
Please remember to keep your hope in God's supreme authority over your life. Yes, pray for help in enduring the circumstances. Yes, pray for God to take the struggles away if he will. But also pray for God to use the circumstances to change you to be more like him. Pray that our suffering would not be for sin, but that it would be for sanctification. Brothers and sisters, this might be hard to see, but we can rejoice in the suffering if we are walking in the Spirit. Paul gives us reason why in his letter to the Romans. In chapter 8, verse 17, he says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Our suffering, whether it be hardships put upon us by our jobs or illness, or whether it be struggling to not sin but to do what is right, these struggles make us more like Christ so we can be glorified with him in heaven. Lastly, when life is too impossible, look ahead. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer tells us that Abraham looked forward to a city whose designer and builder is God. God promises that we have a reward in heaven, not here on earth. The covenant God made with Abraham was simply, was not simply, you will have a son. It was that God would have an everlasting covenant with the offspring of Abraham. Kings and nations would come. Abraham did not live long enough to see the earthly King David or the birth of the King of Kings and Messiah Jesus. God did not grant Abraham and Sarah a son until the very end of their life when they were way too old to have children. Abraham would have to have faith and hope that the rest of the covenant would be fulfilled. We must remember to have the same faith. We live knowing that while we struggle for now, we hold on to the hope that the future has already been written and sealed. God has promised eternal life and communion with him to those who trust him. Hear this description of life with God in heaven from Revelation 21. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is why we place our hope in Jesus. Though we struggle for now, in heaven the struggles are no more. We will be glorified with Christ. If you are not a believer in Christ Jesus, let me encourage you to speak with a Christian about the message you heard tonight. Maybe catch the man at the door or the person that brought you tonight. We want you to have the same hope that we do. If you think it is impossible for you to believe in Jesus, or that it is impossible for God to love you due to your sin, you are wrong. God rejoices when people believe in him, and he rejoices in people turning away from their sins, no matter how big or how small. So as we close, I ask again, do you laugh like Sarah to think that you will be able to get through the impossible circumstances in your life? God loves his children, and he wants the best for his children. Have hope in this, and remember that God is the author of life. What is best for us is known to him. No matter how hard or easy life seems now, the best life is yet to come when all things are made new. As we will sing in a moment, there is a happy land far, far away, where saints in glory stand, when from sin and sorrow free, Lord, we shall dwell with thee, blessed forevermore. Let us pray. Holy God, author of life, we acknowledge that when our life circumstances become too difficult, 
we sometimes lose hope in your plans for us. Sinfully, we look inward at our struggles, pain, and busy schedules, and close ourselves off to the blessings of prayer and reading your word. Teach us that nothing is too hard for you. Strengthen our faith and hope in that truth. Draw us near to you in all the seasons of life that we would believe and experience that you are actively finishing the good work you started in us. We praise you that you will continue that good work of sanctification until the day that we will live with you in eternity. Amen.